This episode of the Thontrepreneur Podcast is brought to you by Canna Planners. Canna Planners is on a mission to normalize the emerging cannabis industry through beautiful design and professional web and marketing solutions. Whether you're looking to create a new cannabis brand, improve your packaging design, or get your company online, Canna Planners has the perfect solution. Your website is the window into your cannabis company. Make sure that you look awesome, that your messaging is on point, and that traffic converts to customers through SEO. From CBD companies to dispensaries and everything in between, Canna Planners has you covered. Visit them online today at cannaplanners.com for a free web demo. That's cannaplanners.com. Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Uh, today, I've got Alvin Edwards III, founder of Fruits of Our Labor, which employs ex-convicts to manufacture and distribute vaporizers and glass blunts as part of their mission to rebuild Black communities, rehabilitate their peers, and showcase their knowledge to succeed in the budding cannabis industry, and David Moss, executive director and co-founder for From the Earth Foundation and chief development officer for From the Earth, which operates in California and Michigan and is a strategic partner with Fruits of Our Labor on the social equity-driven project. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm well. Doing great. Thanks, TJ. It's great to have you guys uh, on the show. It's a really exciting sort of uh, partnership, strategic partnership that you guys uh, have going on. And, and I'm really excited to, to you know, for, to, to hear the details and, and for you to tell the audience about the details. But before we do that, uh, give me a brief background about yourselves and, and how you ended up in the cannabis space. You want to go first, Alvin? Sure. Um, so my cannabis uh, background and journey is really starting with my parents. My dad uh, was in the military. He was in the Navy for about 20 years, and then he got discharged because he didn't have the right protective equipment. So in turn, he got seizures and all that type of uh, epilepsy, those types of diseases and uh, situations. And from as long as I was born, he just always had marijuana in the house, and he was just growing and filtering it. And he's just recently created his own agriculture system in the house and uh, just always been around. And then after that, my uh, uncle tried to succeed and tried to have his own his own company. But this was the 90s, so it was very not successful. Um, and then I just had a lot of experiences with it. So tried to build it off of that one. And how about you, David? Well, mine started in 1977, like going from sixth grade to seventh grade. But who, who, if you'd have told me back then that I'd be doing this today, I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I'd have laughed real hard. Um, basically, I got, I, I live in Humboldt. I lived in Humboldt County for, you know, 20 years. I went to Humboldt State. Uh, after high school, my buddy moved up to Humboldt. And I didn't know Humboldt was an actual place. I just thought it was a, <laughs> a weed. And when he said, come on up and visit, I fell in love with it and uh, ended up moving up here and, you know, raised kids in Humboldt County, uh, moved back down to Los Angeles. And one of my closest friends from childhood called me and asked if I wanted to get into the weed business, you know, full time. And I, 
you know, and that was basically from the earth. Um, and at the time we had one store and, um, and at that time we basically had just purchased a new property in Long Beach that we built from the ground up. Uh, we had another one in Port Wanimi, uh, Moreno Valley. Uh, we have a lab in Desert Hot Springs. And so basically it, it evolved into, you know, now, now we're in the, the full-time cannabis business, which just sort of happened organically, not something that I actually planned or, or, uh, you know, anticipated years ago. I've also been in philanthropy for the last 25, 30 years. And philanthropy is a big, big part of my core personal core values in my life. And I've had the great opportunities to start a couple of amazing nonprofit organizations that have done some really cool work. And so when from the earth, you know, brought me in at the very beginning, uh, this was a core value of ours as well as a business was, you know, we're in a very fortunate position to be in this business and we want to be able to, you know, give back as part of our core value. So, so tell me about the, the creation of this strategic partnership and, and, and the details of it exactly. How did you guys sort of link up? What's the story there? Well, I'm going to let Alvin go ahead. It, it basically starts with our social media director, who's no longer with us, um, Mars Wright. But Alvin, mm -hmm. why don't you go ahead and tell the story? So when I first started, I was really just kind of kind of lost looking for anybody to like talk to about it. But I had this idea maybe in 2019, 2018, 2019. And then I just thought like, ah, oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then after of seeing like a whole bunch of people in my other my other trans community i was like you know i might as well just message everyone that i know that has a a significant following or just any following at all and just see if they know anybody and just keep trying and uh i think i texted i sent mars a message on instagram and i was like hey i started this company just wanted to know if like you i don't think that you smoke but i think that <laughs> this is pretty cool and I think that it would be nice if you just like post it on my page. Well, post it on your page. Um, and then he was like, oh, wait, but I have this company that I work for. And I was like, you say what? And he was very, very supportive. And he just showed me like everyone and kind of guided me through the whole process with the From the Earth team. He was more than like helpful on any like emails, getting me to understand like what other people do at this at From the Earth. And just making sure that everything, uh, every partnership and every opportunity was seen and valued and that this was, this could actually happen and it could actually like make a difference for my team and us. So why don't we back up just a little bit, Alvin, and, and tell me about, you know, you, you said you, you had this idea, you know, several years ago. Um, mm -hmm. t tell me sort of what sparked, the, the, what was the spark for the idea and, and using sort of, uh, you know, the ex-convicts and, and the rehabilitation aspect of it. Like, like it's, it's just such a sort of, you know, when people go to start a business, they generally don't think about these, these sort of provisions or, or this, this equity aspect of it. Um, so, so tell me a little bit more about your thought process there. Um, it all just started back in 2018. My, uh, my uncle, my other uncle, not the first one, but he actually <laughs> went to, he went to prison for it. Um, what happened was it was a big giant, like kind of not a raid raid, but they were kind of watching him and just keeping an eye on him because he had been there before. And 
it just kept happening. And then when he went the second time, he was like, this is the last time I want to go. I'm never going back. I don't want anything to do with any of that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I was like, well, let's try to find you a job. And then after a while of like trying to apply for like $12, $10 jobs, he couldn't get any for about four or five months. And I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. If, if there was only a way, and then he was telling me about all this other stuff that he can't do now because he has a record. And I was like, this is how are we supposed to live on this? And he has three kids, all three daughters. And I was like, you can't live on this. And it's like, there's no way that you're going to be able to work in an office. You're not going to be able to do get supportive rights. You can't vote anymore. You can't do all this. And it was just so many things that he couldn't do that just made me feel like, wow, I feel helpless about this whole situation. And I, there's nothing I can do. And then I was like, well, is it up to the employers to say who gets hired and who doesn't get hired based on your background or is it the government? And then I realized that after doing some research for about three months that you as a company, it's depending on which company you are, you can have someone that went to prison or went to, to any type of establishment and you can hire them, but you just have to be aware of the stakes on your own. And that's perfectly fine because I really, before I meet someone or hire someone, I try to understand their story before. So I'll act, I'll just go into like different areas in Maryland. And sometimes I'll go to like Baltimore city and I'll just try to figure out which parts of the, which parts are like kind of run down. And then normally my parents taught me that if the areas are run down, they normally have really, really great people that just got in the wrong situations. So I tried to go there. I tried to meet some people. I tried to make friends. And then I would ask them like, Hey, is there something that's going on here? Um, what happened? Cause I know that these areas were like very fruitful at one point. And if it's just the loss of like your heroes and like the people that you had, cause I know that for me, my uncle was like my biggest hero and like, he was just always there. And then when he tried to do something that was better for the family, I guess, and like in the legal sphere, his like friends, so-called, he got into a gang. I should just preface that. He got into a gang. And then what happened was the gang said, okay, you need to either be our driver or you need to start working product. And he decided like after maybe a year of it, he was like, I can't do this anymore. My parents and my family come first. And he just said, I can't do it. And then they killed him. So it was one, one uncle that went to prison and then one uncle that ended up getting murdered. So the whole thing has just been there since the beginning. And it's, it's a lot of, the options weren't great to begin with. And I just decided that, that if I can change this, then we can make some real habits and some really good changes. And uh, you, that's sorry, all. how do you end up on, on glass blunts and vaporizers? You know, how do you that end up was, there? That was the most legal thing that I could find without saying hemp at the time. I couldn't use the words cannabis right now because I, when I started it, I was like, 18 19 so i couldn't use the words hemp i couldn't use the words cannabis i couldn't use any type of tobacco well not tobacco uh marijuana affiliate so i had to use tobacco because tobacco if you're 18 in maryland you can use it so i just went and i found all these glass blunts i started making designs i found which ones were really selling in the market like i found the seven pipes the twisty glass blunts and i was like well let's see what i can do design wise and I could try to see what was what tips and what types of uh filters were going to be good and then I just decided like let's have some influence from this but let's also have a like Maryland or DMV flair to it 
And I just decided, let's go to like a whole bunch of hookah bars. Let's go to a whole bunch of like places that have a whole bunch of kids. And I went to school. I went to University of Maryland. I just went to parties all the time and just kept asking people, so what do you like? Do you like weed? Do you like you smoke? And then just kept trying every opportunity that I had to try to grow with them and figure out what the, the youth liked. It's a really, really incredible story, man. David, when, when, you know, you said you've been in philanthropy for, for 25, 30 years, you know, what was your sort of, what, what's your sort of take on, you know, on how your company from the earth works with uh, fruits of our labor and, and, you know, why was it sort of important for you guys uh, to, 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 to have this strategic partnership? Well, like I said, so I've been in philanthropy for 25 years, um, unrelated to cannabis. Uh, I've been very involved and active in justice reform philanthropy. Um, I work in one of the, you know, most famous inner city underserved communities in the country um, known as Watts. And I've been working in Watts for many, many years. Um, and I'm involved with a couple organizations, um, Inside Out Riders, which works with young um, juveniles incarcerated in California. And, 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 and we go into the juvenile halls and do writing programs with the kids um, and then follow them through their process and lead them into this group called ARC, the Anti-Recidivism Coalition, which basically works with currently and formerly incarcerated men and women um, in, in creating legislation and passing legislation on how juveniles are treated once they enter the legal system. And so for me, you know, this has been a big part of my life. And when cannabis came about, it was just a very, very natural sort of um, crossover and organic marriage, so to speak, in that here we are in this amazing position to be in the cannabis business, to be legally selling cannabis while people are still suffering from the, you know, the very disparaging uh, justice rules and laws that apply to various segments of the population. You know, we're not all treated the same way when it comes to cannabis. And so here we are making, you know, or trying to make, I don't want to give the misrepresentation. Everyone thinks the cannabis industry is just killing it, but cannabis industry is struggling harder than any business in the legal world, you know, trying to get through all the compliance and regulation, but we are very privileged to be forging this new industry, like literally creating an industry out of the weeds, so to speak. And, um, you know, it just makes perfect sense that we as an industry have a lot of power to come together much like, the gun industry or the tobacco industry has have have a lot of power. Well, we can create that. We are that. We are developing that. And it just made a lot of sense to focus on, you know, equitable social equity programs, things that make sense, things that are mutually beneficial all the way around that help raise awareness, change perspective of people, um, and, you know, really focus on how to how to sh share the wealth, work together and raise awareness in a very positive way. So it was very natural for us to jump in.
So do you stock the, the fruits of our labor products in your dispensaries? Is that how this works? Yeah, we do. Um, I, I think, you know, Alvin's the first sort of, this is, this is kind of a new concept. There aren't a lot of companies out there like what Alvin has started. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very I, I've rare never heard of another one at this point. And, you know, there's, there's social equity programs that are out there, but I have yet to see a model that is actually a good model that makes sense for everyone. So I think social equity has a lot of growth to, to, you know, to work through as this industry creates social equity programs. And, you know, Alvin just being an independent operator and focusing on social equity uh, um, uh, goals, so to speak, and working with those that are formerly incarcerated and creating opportunities, it's real easy to work with Alvin as opposed to trying to work with the city of Los Angeles that has a social equity program that really kind of makes no sense on how they're doing it. But so, mm -hmm. yes, we stock the products. I, 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 Alvin can speak to it probably better, but I think, and I don't know the exact number, but I think we placed a decent order, which sort of helped Alvin kind of kick off and launch and, and, you know, and we're, we're excited to be part of this program and to spread this message. For for you, Alvin, you know when when this deal came to fruition, what what was it like for you? I mean, what was your reaction to sort of, you know, people recognizing what you're doing and the value that it has? Um, I went to my parents, to my dad first. Like, at first, I told my parents I was like, um, so I just got this big order, and they were like, for what? And they didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. And then I told them, I was like, oh, yeah, we're making glass blunts. And then they were like, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, don't worry, it's legal. <laughs> and then they were like, uh, we don't know if we really want you doing this. And I was like, I had to talk to my dad about it and ask him about it for a long time. And I asked my aunt who, uh, who lost her son. So I was just like, do you think this is a good idea or not? And I just decided on that last one. And I talked to my team because obviously they have they are the most important people right now that are like they are really important to me right now because they are going through it with me. If I say no, because of something that's really not gonna, it's not affecting me as much as it's gonna affect them is what I'm trying to say. And just to have them like be excited and have that like feeling of like, oh yeah, we're actually doing something. We can't get in trouble for it. We're doing something and we're gonna be able to bring this to our family and we're doing something that's gonna be seen and used and reusable. And it's not bad for the environment. And it's, it's just such a wonderful feeling for them. I know that a few members of my team were just beyond ecstatic as soon as we got the order. We got one order for like us for like 50 and then they were like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. This is cool. And then we got another order and they were like, wow, we are really making progress. And they since then they have just been like on this high still of feeling like they are invincible and it's amazing. It's really great. Uh since so we've been actually using some of the uh the benefits from this to learn how to do other stuff in the cannabis industry. Like we've been learning about taking some classes. I have a few of them uh, doing like some online schooling about it. And they're, they're really trying to learn as much as they can. They're taking this opportunity with grace and just, just they're so humbled by the experience of feeling like they, uh, like they matter about this situation. They're making a difference. 
I mean, congratulations on both of you. I mean, it's it's such a unique sort of business model. And then to to be able to, you know, sort of find something that fits in such a way that that you're able to do something, I think, that does better than, as you alluded to, David, the better than the 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 mandated social equity programs, which we'll get to in a second. But I want to ask you both, what are some of the best practices that a cannabis company can employ to ensure that they are socially responsible uh, when it comes specifically to social equity? You know, what it, from a from a business perspective, you know, keeping the the state mandates out of it, what do those look like in your estimation? Um, I'm gonna let David take this one first. I've answered two questions back to back first, so I'm gonna let you take that one. I mean, it's 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 a great question, and it's a complex question as well because you know you you had mentioned right now social equity is is a new concept, as is this industry being a new industry, and here we are legally selling cannabis and there are literally still 30, 40,000 people locked up across the country for cannabis crimes. So, you know, one, raising awareness. I think all companies in the cannabis world should be working together to raise awareness with our legislators about, you know, creating laws that make sense. And the House of Representatives just kind of took the very first step for the first time in history to vote to decriminalize uh, at the federal level. Now, obviously, we have a ways to go before that gets through the next level, but it's a major sign and it's a major step that awareness is being raised and mindsets are, are being changed. So I think, one, the cannabis industry as a whole can help raise awareness towards the injustices that are taking place, especially operators that are in states where there's a higher density of people still locked up. You know, California, I'm not sure how many people, if any, are actually still locked up for cannabis alone crimes, but there are other states across the country where those numbers are disproportionate. I mean, Alvin and I both live in those states. I mean, Maryland and New York, Maryland and New York, you know, where I'm, I'm based in, in, in New York, Alvin's based. I mean, there's still people in jail for cannabis here. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there are minority owned businesses and operators that, you know, have worked hard to get to their position. And I think recognizing and trying to do business with with companies that are minority owned is is something that we're doing as a company. Um, You know, Alvin's a great example of what's possible, like with a little idea and some hard work and perseverance, you can create a company. And I think, you know, that's a model to the industry as well. And to just people in general that, you know, if you can think it, you can do it a lot of times. And the way Alvin's done it is actually real interesting because the barrier to entry is much easier to get into, you know, without touching cannabis, it's a whole different realm of craziness and expense and red tape and challenges. But, Mm -hmm. and then I think, you know, like municipalities and cities that want to incorporate and create social equity programs, like, you know, LA and San Francisco have kind of taken the largest, fastest step, but honestly, they have a lot of work to do to make their programs make sense. Like right now, they're not equitable social equity programs to all involved. And, and there should be 
there should be benefit for everyone. It shouldn't be that, you know, all the benefit goes to the social equity applicant. So like in concept, it's great, but I don't see very, I don't see too many successful models actually being implemented yet. So we have a lot of work as an industry and as legislators to come together to create a model that makes sense. Um, I think, you know, we as an operator are, constantly looking to, you know, create new brands and develop new things. So um, hiring practices in municipalities where they will allow us to hire somebody that has a, uh, you know, a felony record, um, we're, we're all about that. Um, it, and that's sort of a newer concept that we're starting to incorporate because, you know, it's a challenge. The BCC has, has guidelines and then each municipality has guidelines. And so we work closely with the law enforcement departments in the cities that we operate. And it's, it's an issue that we're now looking to actively pursue um, through some of these organizations that I've talked about already that are working with formerly incarcerated. How can we create a pipeline to create more opportunities that add to their list of, hey, they can come apply for a job with us, you know, so we're, we're all about second chances and giving opportunities and then developing brands, you know, maybe helping and creating social equity opportunities where we work with somebody to create a brand that, you know, similar to like what Alvin's doing, but maybe more actually in the cannabis. And so those are, I think, things that the industry could do as a whole. So what do you what do you think, Alvin? What are, in in your opinion, some of the best practices that that a cannabis company specifically could employ uh, as far as social equity is concerned? I would say that there's a lot of uh, hesitation towards the community and towards the people that are in the that are in this this bubble. I feel like it's really easy to, at least in in Maryland, I haven't seen a lot of companies that are really willing to like they're a part of the cannabis industry, but they won't really work with people that have been inside of the system and been inside of the the whole like they haven't been they want to be a part of it, but they aren't really taking into account the people that have been and they aren't really listening to them. So I've been trying to just contact other people and try to see if they can at least give them the floor to talk about their stuff. Um, I've been having direct conversations with people that are still in incarcerated. I leave them letters, even like right now, even during COVID, I write them letters. I try to get them established so then they can at least know each other and know what's, some, what's going on. I have been trying to work on get, getting, uh, getting not therapy, but like getting some type of vocalization out of it and getting the basic needs met. Because a lot of times, even after like you come out of the after being incarcerated, a lot of your basic needs are just kind of not stripped away, but they're deeply stunned where you don't feel like you can talk to anybody. You don't feel like you can do certain things. You don't you just feel really beaten. It just doesn't feel like you're being heard or seen. And in the cannabis industry, it's such a big, big part of like American history and American culture that it doesn't really make sense to not hear everybody's story. Like there's tons of shows on Netflix or there's tons of shows on Hulu or any other broadcasting streams, but none of them are really being 
none of them that are independently made are breaking through the lines yet. So I'd want to see some type of growth in in just any of the fields, any type of creative field or any type of field period that just shows that anyone can do it, anyone can feel it, anyone no matter what's gone up through gone through anything that doesn't make sense. Well, no matter what you've gone through, it's still possible and it's still feasible Your without doesn't define who you are. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's it's so many opportunities that people aren't taking because they're scared or they just have been told no so many times. So I'd really I, want that I, to change. I, I would I would add to that. I mean, you brought up a couple of really important points because there's a couple of issues. One, you know, the general public's view of formerly incarcerated you know, to lack of a better word, criminals, you know, defined Mm -hmm. by maybe just or unjust laws Mm -hmm. is hard to change. I mean, that's, that's something that, that, you know, I, I got involved in working with formerly incarcerated, you know, men and women. And prior to doing that, I was of the mindset that these are bad people that committed crimes that should be in jail. Mm-hmm. And then as I started to learn more about them and like who they were and what their stories were, and you talk about like, you know, being able to hear their stories, I mean, it changed my entire perception, which entirely changed my entire life, to be perfectly honest with you, by raising an awareness and changing the paradigm in my own head about what a criminal is or how this person even got there. You know, we tend to not deal with the issues. We deal with, with, with the, with, with the, uh, the symptoms. We're not dealing with the, the disease, so to speak, which is what leads them there. And most, most people are good people inherently. You mentioned your uncle who got into a gang. I mean, I deal with lots mm-hmm. of kids who grow up with, without a father or raised by an aunt and, they have no money and they have no access and all they have is the gang. So that becomes the family and the guiding light until they get locked up and then the family disappears and is gone. You know, they're, they're, they're not there for them. So when you understand what led a person to get to that point, I think it's important, you know, as a society and a culture that we realize these are human beings that one, the system is just, bent against them you know like mm-hmm. that, that's a whole you know issue that's going on so telling the stories is critical and understanding the human side of and then i think people will will change and then i think the industry as a whole you know can 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 have a mo- much more open mind towards you know this concept and you know, from a company point of view, we're getting ready to, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but we're getting ready to release a little mini documentary that we shot that highlights a young black man um, who was zero crime record, a good kid going to school, working, got busted, you know, for marijuana. And we're telling the story. And the idea is, is to tell these stories to change perception, raise awareness, and hopefully develop, you know, social equity, which. Well, so, I mean, 
you know, we, we've, we've sort of touched on legislated social equity provisions, those provided by the government. I mean, it seems, it's always seemed odd to me personally that it was the government that outlawed cannabis, put people in jail, and now we're relying on that same government to undo the harm that they did. That always seemed a little crazy to me. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, David, you know, and, and Alvin, both of you, what's your take on sort of legislated social equity provisions? I mean, do they generally do enough to undo the harm of the war on drugs? I, I, I um, mean, go uh, ahead. I, I, I'll just say I don't think so. I mean, you know, I mean, you got to start somewhere. That's the key. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. And like I said, I, I think the the concept is coming from the right place, but it isn't developed properly yet. And it's not benefiting enough people. Like in LA, a hundred people were entitled to social equity applications. Okay. I mean, that's like, you know, that's nothing. Granted, it's 1%, 1% of the of, of people who have been jailed. I mean, or 0.5%. Yeah. I'm not a math man. It, yeah, it just, and, and, you know, it's just, there needs to be more opportunity um, and like I said, opportunity that makes sense, that makes me as an operator wanting to participate in a program. And right now that doesn't exist. So we're looking outside of those systems and working directly with someone like Alvin to create something that makes sense for all of us, that, that, that works. And, and how can, again, like I said, how can we as an industry create something that makes sense and as an industry, we can talk to our legislators and our municipalities and say, hey, this program is good in concept, but it doesn't make sense. We need to change it and develop real social equity programs. And what's, what's your take on it, Alvin? I mean, I, the social equity portion of it was a big sticking point in Maryland before they would pass um, the, the medical cannabis uh, expansion. Um, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately, there was a, a little bit of controversy associated with that because the, the delegate in charge was ultimately uh, jailed for bribery related to, uh, you know, this whole thing. So, so what, what's, what's sort of your take on, on, these, on these social equity programs? Um, so my, my thought on it as a whole is I really want younger people to be, no offense to anyone else, I really want younger people to start getting involved in this whole thing because I, we're in such an age where like nothing really phases the young kids. Like they support their friends, only fans, they support their friends, like doing whatever there is. It's so easy for them to just be like supportive and caring about other th- things that don't really, that don't necessarily involve them. Like older generations, they used to be like, Oh, well they're doing this. It's none of my business. But younger people are like, no, I want to get involved. I want to learn about you. I want to feel what you feel. So then I can be sympathetic at least or empathetic to what you're going through. And I feel like these are starting to be really big changes in this community. Like a year or two ago, I started working. I, I worked with the Cannabis Commission for Maryland. I started actually taking research there. I started being an intern. I took my free time just to learn the basics of it. And I kept trying and I kept meeting more people that were either in situations like me or I met people that were really just passionate about it. There's one guy, uh, the Maryland, I think he's the commissioner, I think of some type of, of cannabis over here. His name is Daryl Carrington. Yep. Met him when I was at a college. I went to UMBC because my mom works there. 
And I was just like, oh, well, my mom was like, this guy, he keeps coming in. He said that there's something about cannabis. My mom had no idea what that actually meant. So she was like, oh, yeah, you could be an intern there. And I told my my regular dad, and he was like, yep, no. And from then, I just kept his email. I just kept contacting him, and I kept bothering him and pestering him until he would tell me, like, more stuff about it to get to get to know about the legal, the, like, any any type of things that he thought was was important to him, I really grasp onto him like a mentor. Because obviously, if he's taking his time and he's dedicated his life to it, it's something worth at least looking at or spending time to do. And I feel like the young kids know this, the older generations are getting more feasible to it, or if they are, if they aren't already. And I feel like this is going to be something that's going to rebuild the stuff that's been broken. So I want to ask you both sort of very specific questions about, about your work with uh, your, your respective companies at Fruits of Our Labor. Something I, I read about that was really, really interesting for to me about your company was that you hold monthly meetings and you ask employees mm-hmm. what they want for the company, how to make it better and how they and the company can innovate in the space. Um, not a lot. I mean, I've, I've been in the workforce for, you know, 26 years now or something crazy. Um, and, and I've never had this experience never right and and no matter where i've been professional fast food didn't matter what type of responses do you get from those meetings and and why is it important for you uh to to hold these sort of sessions it's really important for us to hold those sessions because every month things go on that are different um one month one of the like when we first started out, what they said that they really wanted, I asked them, like, what type of benefits do you want? Because we can't really give a lot right now. And most of the people just said they want to get therapy for their for them and their kids. And I said, okay, we could do that. That's fine. We'll find something that's going to be affordable for all of us. And we will try to get therapy either in, in-house or we'll try to have a trip that we all go to. Unbelievable. And then, like, the next month, one guy was like, oh, I want to do – I'm really getting into, like, drones and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, cool let's look up how to, how to build drones and let's see if we can make that into our thing. Cause we live either by college, like Carroll community, or we live by Baltimore County community. We live by community colleges. We live by dorm colleges. We live by these big places knowing that either they're close to getting a green card or they're working on it or there's stuff like that. We're trying to build drones now that are going to be able to deliver it because it's, we have the technology, we have all the stuff to learn. We're trying to just put some type of foothold in there that is technological, that is creative in almost any type of creative field. We're getting people that are interested in art into art. We're getting people that are interested in just whatever they were really interested in was the monthly meeting. And I just asked, what are you guys really interested in? How can I make you guys feel like you're valued and appreciated? And then what did you guys like do that made sense? What was something that you saw that was cool or what was going on in the news and just kept asking every month? It got kind of annoying for them at first few months, <laughs> but, <laughs> but after the like six month, they were like, ah, we're starting to get this. And I was like, all right, sweet. That's I just super, felt like it's super cool. So important to do, to talk to people because things go on all the time and you don't really know or things happen and then just kind of like carrying it 
I mean, I mean, the idea of, you know, because because we know that drone delivery is is on the horizon, at least with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so it's such a sort of spectacular idea to be ahead of the curve and and, and figure out what those rules and regulations are going to look like eventually for this space. You know, it, it, super wild, man. Thank you so much for sharing that with me, David. T- tell me about the, the, you know, why the foundation was formed ultimately. I mean, you already have a company where you can sort of enact a lot of these policies, you know, why go the step further? Well, partly in due to, you know, as a cannabis company, we're giving back to the communities where we operate. So we can do that. We don't need a nonprofit to do that. But on a larger picture, we can also team up with organizations that are working towards justice reform. By creating a foundation, one, we wanted to see if we could get a cannabis sort of related, even though it doesn't touch cannabis, federally tax exempt, which we did. Um, Nice. The organization is called From the Earth Foundation. So we didn't hide it. We didn't pretend. We talked about our, you know, it's a separate entity. And we weren't sure whether the IRS was going to approve it or not. Well, they did. So we're one of very few cannabis operators in the country that has a federally tax-exempt nonprofit. And we felt by doing so, one, it, it opens up more opportunities for us to raise money and awareness because we can now ask our customers, you know, to donate and receive a, a legitimate tax write-off for a donation. We can ask our vendors to participate. And, you know, it just creates a, a, a more legitimate giving opportunity. Um, and, it, and it allows us to expand the program and expand awareness through, you know, a legitimate 501c3 nonprofit. Unbelievable, man. Um, So, I mean, I, I, and I'll be really clear, the From the Earth Foundation does not touch cannabis in any way, shape or form, but it receives money from our cannabis operations. And we made that very clear. And again, we just weren't sure how that was going to play, but we got approved and we're excited. And, and again, we support organizations like the Boys and Girls Club and, and the Police Explorers and, and uh, the U.S. Navy Marine Relief Center and, and food banks and stuff like that, in addition to, you know, working with, we're beginning to build a relationship with Last Prisoners Project, which works, you know, on getting expungement and raising awareness and transition back into the real world once they get out and so forth. So having a nonprofit allows us to do that on a much larger scale. I mean, it's it's really interesting to me. I mean, you guys are, you know, working together from, from across the country. You couldn't sort of be any more different on the surface, but... It, you know, your, your passion, both of your passion for sort of, you know, this equity and this justice and this, you know, this, this philanthropic sort of uh, soul, I guess you might say it's, 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 it comes through just, just in this conversation. And, and, you know, I, 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 congratulations to both of you for, 
you know, getting to this point in, in, in your lives. Um, what advice uh, would you guys have for other entrepreneurs looking to enter this space, whether it be an ancillary business, like making glass blunts or, you know, a, a touch the plant uh, side of it? What's I, uh, <laughs> um, hey, I hope you got, hey, 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 I, I would say on the touching the plant side of it, Make sure you got a lot of money and a lot of patience and that you can handle a lot of risk and a lot of headache. Um, you know, it's a challenge. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's probably one of the most challenging things I've ever been involved in in my life. Um, but, you know, not for the faint of heart, I, 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 that, I that's what I would say. <laughs> what about what about you, Alvin? I would say. Be nice to everyone. Uh, learn what people like. What people just talk to people. Essentially, like uh, for a while, I didn't want to take any money away from my company, from like the people that work for me. So I got a regular job, and I kept. Uh, I told my like when I had the interview, I just told my boss I was like, okay, I run this glass blunt company. We normally work with marijuana and stuff like that, and I was fully expecting her to say, uh, uh-uh, no, no, you can't work for us. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But turns out a week later, she was like, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. And they've been super supportive about the whole thing. They just really care. And I would say just talk about your stuff because who knows who's into, who's into what um, and who knows what they have to offer, who they know, or it's just talk about yourself. Not in a creepy way, but like just talk about yourself and talk with people and understand what they like too. Because you might find that that really innovative idea based on just someone talking to you. So, I mean, I mean, and to your point, I mean, you sent an Instagram message and, and here we are. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so, and, and let me just clarify don't, you know, I don't want to discourage anybody who has a vision of getting into the cannabis industry, but realistically, I just, you know, people should know the barrier to entry is, is a challenge. It, it's mm-hmm. a challenging, challenging thing. So get as much information. If you are thinking about getting into the business research, do as much research as you possibly can on what it takes. Every city is different. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a challenge. Um you know, find a city where there's a non-competitive application process, meaning they're willing to to give as many licenses away if you meet the qualifications, as opposed to a competitive application process where there's five licenses in a city. I mean, that would be my advice to somebody thinking about it. Get educated, learn as much as you can, and don't just go in thinking you're going to get into the business and make a lot of money. I mean, it's it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, that's one of the things that I've heard time and time again is that, you know, people think that you get into cannabis and, you know, it's it's early tech and you're rich overnight. Um, the, the, you know, the more conversations I have, the more I realize it's not the case. Before we wrap only up in here, the illicit, Only in the illicit illegal market is that <laughs> happening. <laughs> I I just probably shouldn't comment on that being as though I live in New York. Um, Where, what, uh, before we wrap up, where can people find out more about uh, from the earth uh, first? And then we'll, we'll go to where people can find out more about fruits of our labor. 
Well, you can go to fromtheearth.com for one to learn about our operations and, and what we've got going on, or you can go to fromtheearthfoundation.org and check out from the Earth Foundation and how to donate and where you can make donations and where those donations go. We, and and we have our Instagram and our, our, you know, our, our Instagram and our Facebook page and all of that stuff as well, which is all, all on our at, website. At from, from the Earth. Yep. So where can um, people find out more about Fruits of Our Labor? Uh, we have a Instagram page. It's fruits of our labor. It's underscore. We have one underscore. It's fruits underscore of our labor. Um, we added a U just to be different um, in labor. And then we have fruits of our labor dot net. Uh, and those are our main two places where you can find us. But yep. Um, besides that, I can't really think of anything else that we really are uh up to date on not that i can think of yet well again i really want to thank you guys uh for coming on the show taking the time this is a really really interesting uh you know strategic partnership that you guys have um you know and again i just i just want to congratulate you on getting to this point um that's alvin edwards the third he is the founder of fruits of our labor which employs ex-convicts to manufacture and distribute vaporizers and glass blunts as part of its mission to rebuild black communities rehabilitate their peers and showcase their knowledge to succeed in the cannabis industry. David Moss, executive director and co-founder for From the Earth Foundation and chief development officer for From the Earth, which operates in California and Michigan and is a strategic partner with Fruits of Our Labor on the social equity driven project. Thank you both again for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see where this goes uh, down the road. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Great conversation. I, I look forward to, 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 you know, may hopefully having you guys on the show again, maybe individually, because I think there's a lot more that we didn't get to cover because of the sort of, uh, you know, time constraints. But uh, anytime. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast and podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com on Spotify and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. <laughs>